at criminal law today. I was on call for the first time this semester. It's been, what, five weeks now? And it's the first time I've been cold called, and which was a little nerve-wracking, but also a little exciting. But at the same time, my lecture notes were not developed as thoroughly as I would have liked because I was relying mostly on my brief to make sure I answered questions correctly because I was a little nervous about it. Anyways, our discussion today in criminal law, we're moving past all the theory of mens rea and actus reus and legality and justifications for punishment, all that kind of stuff. And we're talking about a big issue in criminal law, and that is, well, homicide. And I think it's important to give this overview of what homicide entails. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it, and I actually had a misconception about it until today in preparing for this lecture. I think a lot of the time people watch TV shows, and me included, and we see homicide and we think murder. Murder is homicide, and only murder is homicide. They're synonymous. That's sort of true in the sense of a murder is a homicide, but there are also other fields of criminal homicide. Well, first of all, homicide, criminal homicide, is unlawfully killing another human being, which is terrible. Um, but there are different fields of homicide underneath this big overarching heading, so to speak. And so we have murder, and it depends as well as if you're using the MPC approach or if you're using a common law approach. Let's just look at the MPC approach. Underneath murder, uh, a homicide, you have murder. You have, oh, and this is why I should have taken better notes when I was on cold call. There are three thing, three types of homicide. You have murder. Uh, you've got manslaughter, and you have I think negligent manslaughter. Those are the three. I'll have to double check that. Actually, let me just do that right now. In Ignore me for just a second while I confirm this, because I don't want to get it wrong. I apologize for any of the additional notes that this might cause. I mean, noise. Okay. According to the MPC, the three types of homicide is murder, and a murder is defined as purposefully or knowingly killing another person or, or is recklessly underneath the circumstances of having extreme indifference to the value of a human life. So that's murder. Second is manslaughter, which is something that is committed recklessly uh, without reason. So there's no reasonable explanation or excuse Okay, and then we have negligent homicide. I was close, but I was wrong. Um, and this is pretty much everything else. Uh, a homicide that is committed negligently. And common law uses similar approaches to this, but it, it's quite different because it ranges from different jurisdiction to jurisdiction. 
I can go ahead and just tell you what Pennsylvania's and criminal homicide uh, statutes state. And the reason why I'm using Pennsylvania is just because that's what we read. So a criminal homicide is a person who is guilty of criminal homicide if he intentionally, knowingly, recklessly, or negligently causes the death of a hum- of another human being. And there are different types of homicide, and that is murder, voluntary manslaughter, or involuntary manslaughter. That's according to the Pennsylvania uh, Consolidated Statutes. And it goes on to discuss what's a murder, um, murder of the first degree, murder of the second degree, degree versus the NPC where it's only one murder. Uh, there's no different different degrees of murder. Uh, there's definitions for voluntary manslaughter, uh, which is uh, killing another person with unjustified, uh, reasonable, well, unreasonable belief. Let's just say that. And then involuntary manslaughter, which is uh, being reckless, which if you notice in the NPC, that's just manslaughter. And that involves grossly negligent as well. So those are the different NPC approaches. I'm going to just try and common law approaches. Let me just try and sum that up very quickly because that was a lot... And it's probably a little confusing. Common law and NPC approach have differences of how murder and homicide is defined. My whole purpose of bringing this up was to say homicide is not what we expect it to be. There is homicide as a big overarching category, and there are different types of homicide. Murder, uh, manslaughter, negligent, uh, homicide, things like that. That was the whole point of bringing that up, and I apologize for taking a whole roundabout way of getting there. Let's talk about the deliberation premeditation formula, and this is strictly going to fall underneath common law, because common law deals with this deliberation and premeditation, and the NPC doesn't consider it at all. So, State v. Guthrie. What happened here is that I'm going to try and keep this as ungraphic as possible. Um, So I won't go into the facts of the case, but I'll talk about the rule that we learn from this. We're looking at how you define willful, deliberate, and premeditated according to the common law. This requires an element of developing an intent to kill somebody and then being fully conscious of that intent and that that intent will result in killing somebody. And that needs to happen before the result occurs. So the old rule was that intent could be formed in the moment. And this is note trying to charge whether or not there's a first or second degree. Notice there was common law. Murder, first degree is different than murder in the second degree. And we're trying to differentiate those who are worse than other people. And a murder of the first degree is worse. They get worse sentences. And so how do we determine whether or not a person is first or second degree? Well, the old rule was just saying if they have an intent to kill, and that deliberation and contemplation can occur in an instant, 
even as they're swinging a knife or swinging a golf club. And Guthrie changed that, saying, no, that makes it so that there's not a difference between first and second degree, because if that's the case, well, then there's actually no premeditation, because it could happen in an instant. So there needs to be a period of time where people are considering what their actions are doing. And so that's the rule that I just outlined, the formation of intent, the fully consciousness of the result, and that happening before the result occurs. Now, the jury, I mean, the judge in this opinion says that this needs to happen over this period of time is not fixed it can happen in 10 seconds it can happen in 30 it might even be a month it all depends on the facts of the case uh so pretty much underneath in this law you need to look at the facts and to see whether or not there's premeditation here, the person took off his gloves, and that was a big sign of he was preparing to strike. It, it was premeditated. It wasn't in the heat of the moment kind of deal. And so he would have been guilty under common law of first-degree murder, and under the MPC, he would have been guilty of murder. And then we have Midget, which is a very sad case. It's about another uh, child abuse case, which is very... I'm very sad, and I won't get into that. But applying the Guthrie rule, there could have been intent, but he was intoxicated, so he wasn't fully conscious of his actions. And so there was no deliberation. And so the court here uh, found him not guilty uh, for the abuse that uh, resulted in, in the ending of his child's life. And this brings the conflict that we see with common law because we have another case with Forrest where an elderly gentleman was admitted to the hospital and his son had been taking care of him and he didn't want to see his father suffer. So he ended up going to the hospital and uh, killing his father so that he wouldn't be suffering. And the common law approach... Uh, found him guilty underneath for first-degree murder. And so you see how somebody who may seem more morally justified, I mean, both are very wrong. Don't get me, don't get me wrong there. But y- you may see how there's this moral difference here. The purpose of having these, this common law line between first and second degree is so that you punish those who are more morally blameworthy. In this case, one could argue that the father was more, sorry, the abusive father was more morally blameworthy because of the child, the actions that he was doing, but he was found not guilty because he wasn't consciously aware of his actions. But the other case where uh, Forrest is putting his father out of his misery uh, is found as morally blameworthy and found guilty underneath the common law approach because he did premeditate this, these actions. And so there's this issue here. And the legislature ended up going and changing a couple of the rules, but how many exceptions are there going to be before some of these rules change? And, and that's kind of what the MPC is trying to do. They're trying to make it so that you don't need exceptions. You just have murder. You don't have murder in the first degree or murder in the second degree. You don't draw that line because you just have murder. 
And so the MPC approach is more strict, so to speak, than the common law approach because the MPC approach would have found the abusive father guilty and would have found Forrest guilty underneath those circumstances, regardless of the contemplation, because they could argue that it was purposeful or knowing, meaning that he did have intent, or that it was extremely reckless and had an indifference towards an individual while, or they were committing a felony while they were killing another uh, individual. And so, I don't know, there's a lot to think about here. It's very, very sad and kind of discouraging. Um, let me just try and sum all of this up. There's a common law approach. There's an MPC approach. Common law approach uh, has these conflicts that may require exceptions. Uh, the MPC approach tries to sum it up all under one. Uh, there are pros and cons to both. Um, but ultimately, it's something that we're still trying to figure out because there's a whole lot of philosophy behind it. We'll continue discussing homicide tomorrow and next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro, and you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is, if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.